You all ready? Yes, Woo. Ready for the Word of God. Amen. This will be now the third message on walking with God. One of the descriptions of our Christian lives is that it is a walk with God. We walk with God. Amen. In other words, it's not just a casual stroll. It's not a walk in the park. It's not something we just do and then we don't do, but it's something that is continuous. We walk a journey with God together. Is that okay? So we walk with God. Now, we've touched on various things, and there's too much for me to go into them all, but last week we talked about the fact that we need to be walking in the Spirit. Is that okay? And we saw that walking in the Spirit according to the Bible and even being led by the Spirit, those that are the sons of God are the ones that are led by the Holy Spirit. And we saw that primarily. That's not whether you should have post toasties or Rice Krispies. That's not about what color clothes you should wear, where you should live. It's not primarily about what car you should buy, what job you should have, although God sometimes graciously does some of that as well. We can take everything to the Lord in prayer. Is that okay? But the primary reason for the presence, the power, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said, is to lead you into all truth. Is that okay? So all truth about Christ, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. What do you say? All truth. And so truth, when it comes to the Bible, the Bible never ever proposes anything or propounds anything that is merely theory. Everything God wants you to know and to have is seen when it's lived out in your life and my life. Is that okay? So when he says the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, what he means there, he will lead you into truth becoming true and real in your life. Is that okay? In other words, it will be truth applied. Because otherwise, what is it? It's just something in your head. It's not anything in your heart. It's not something that we're living. So truth needs to be seen in the reality of lived lives. Is that okay? And so we talked about that a little bit. And, uh, and of course... We can ask the Holy Spirit, you know, Lord, would you give me a job? I need a better job. We can. God is good. He's gracious. But that's secondary to him leading you out of the flesh and leading you into holiness and righteousness. Is that okay? My experience is the more I walk like that, the easier the other things happen. And they've got a way of just happening. Is that okay? And then we saw as well, secondly, last week, we walk with purpose and vision. And we don't miss out any steps or any principles or requirements of God. You can't pick and choose with God. Is that okay? You know, sometimes Christians, you know, with, with Christianity in the Bible, it's like somebody going up and ordering a burger. Yeah, but I'll have it with some of that, and then you can leave out that, and you can leave out that, and uh, put some of that in. Christianity is not designer burgers. Christianity is this. We live His way. Amen? Either he's Lord or he's not Lord. But you can't pick and choose. You know, I'll do this and I won't do that. And I'll do this and I won't do that. It's amazing. But yet, it just still amazes me how many Christians want to pick and choose which principles they obey. But then when the pawpaw hits the fan, God must jump off his throne and come running to do everything for us. But we'll pick and choose. Now, a good thing that God is gracious. Good thing I'm not God. Because I might just get holding with you and go like, no, nah, foot sack, man. You know, you, <laughs> you know, 
you pick and choose and whatever. Now I must be, you know. High corner. It's a good thing I'm not God. Is that all right? So, but this week I want to just continue a little bit. Are you all ready for it? Okay. So this week I want to talk about the Bible has got so much to say about walking in righteousness and holiness. Amen. Our steps. Our walk, church, needs to be different to the walk of the world. We cannot walk the same way, the same walk. We cannot take the same route as the world walks. Our way is a higher way. God even said in Isaiah 55, he said, My ways are not your ways. Not even my thoughts are like yours. They are higher, says God. So we've got an English saying that says, take the high road. Listen, God's road is the high road. Amen? And we always need to be taking the high road, not by some major big decision. Okay, I'm going to take the high road. Okay, I'll forgive that slappable sister. You know, it should be automatic. It should be something that we do instinctively. Is that okay? So walking in holiness, walking in righteousness is an incredible, I mean, it's an, a vital part of our walk with God. So now D.L. Moody, one of the great revivalists, says this, if I walk with the world, I can't walk with God. See, we've got to make up our minds. Are we going to walk with God or are we going to walk with the world? So one of the reasons why God says that, because it's very practical, because there's a spirit in this world. There's a spirit of this world. There's a spirit of this age. There is a spirit under whom Everybody in the world that are non-Christians, how they live their lives, how they walk. And if we don't walk with God under His Spirit, we are stepping into the influence and the territory and the influence that comes from the territory that we walk in if we're not walking with God. There is a spirit in this world. You can just turn on the news and see what's happening. Amen? And so Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, Verses 2 and 3, he says, According to the prince of the power of the air, that's the prince, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, church, we are sons of obedience. Amen. Amen. Whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of or objects of wrath just as they were. But thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God we heard the gospel. Thank God we repented. Thank yeah. God we turned to salvation. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank God for forgiveness of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. But listen, we need to walk accordingly, church. Amen. Not under the influence of that spirit. Now, how many of you know if you miss a church long enough, you can almost feel the effects of that spirit on you? It has a way of eroding your mindset, your positivity. It has a way of eroding your spirit. I like what Norman said this morning. He said, gosh, I wasn't able to be in church last week. He said, so my batteries were a little bit flat this week. So we've come for a recharge. Come on, church. You know the word for demonized in the Bible? You know, when somebody's possessed, the word possessed means, you know, it comes from a word demonized. You know what? Demonized. One of the words that's interpreted by demonized is slimed over. You know, because Beelzebub is Lord of the Flies, Prince of Flies. 
And you know how they work when they sit on your food and they regurgitate. And, yeah. Then it starts digesting. And then they suck it up. And I want to make it so graphic that you never forget this. All right. So listen, the more time we spend in the world, the more we get slimed over. We become dull in the spirit. Come on, church, we need to be, and I'm not talking about, you know, stupidly, falsely holy, you know, and that kind of thing. But we need to walk with God. We need to walk sensitively with God. I kid you not, you can ask me, there's sometimes a song will come on the radio. I'm not good with names of artists and the words of the songs and things like this. I'm not, you know, very good. It's like music. It's background. And uh, Bev is very good. I mean, way back to our childhood, she can sing songs word perfectly. And I'm going like, oh, is that what that song said? I listened to it for years, even in the army. You turn around and you listen. But, you know, I guess I must be just listening mindlessly, you know. And Bev will tell me what the words say. But, you know, very often I'll turn on the radio and it'll be playing in the car. And there's certain songs that I have to change, you know, I prefer listening to praise and worship, but sometimes when you're driving, you can't concentrate, and it's good to have some white noise, you know, background stuff. But there are very often times where literally, I don't know what this person is singing, but it's literally jarring my spirit. It's like static to me. Church, you know, the more we walk out of the presence of God, the less sensitive we are, to those kind of things, and we don't realize the influence the world can have on us. Is that okay? All right, so we need to be not walking under the influence of the Spirit. But I tell you, the exact converse is true. I mean, it's phenomenal living the life with God and walking in the Spirit. How many of you just love it when you become aware of God and suddenly you're aware of His presence and then you just get all gooseys, you know? I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. So, you know, it does affect us. It's very interesting that when God spoke to Abraham, and I'm stretching it a little bit biblically, but basically when God spoke to Abraham and called him outside of his tent and gave him a promise that he would have descendants, the first time God said, look up into the sky and said, count the stars if you can, because that's going to be the number of your descendants. Now, it's interesting that Paul tells us that we, we, church, shine like stars in the universe. So how many of you know we are the spiritual descendants of Abraham by faith in Christ? And we are stars. So let me sing you a song. Twinkle, twinkle, great big stars. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, great big stars. Now I don't wonder anymore what you are. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Come on, we shine like stars in the universe. It's reflected light, but it's also inherent light because we are the light of the world. Amen? Amen? But the second time Abraham was in doubt, God said to him, go out, and he said, and have a look, and he said, because your children will be as numerous as the dust of the earth or the sand of the seashore. So in Deuteronomy and Romans, God says about Israel, you once were stars, but now you're dust. That's right. 
So in other words, you've fallen from your position. You're a natural person. You're no longer heavenly. When God cursed the serpent, he said to the serpent, so the indication is, you know, maybe he got around a different way. I, know, I don't know. But uh, theologians say it was more like a lizard and he had legs, but God cursed him and just cursed the legs off of him. <laughs> you know, after that he was legless in the garden. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a good thing Adam and Eve weren't Chinese because otherwise we'd be no problem with the devil. They would have eaten him. Yeah. And so God curses him and he says, you will crawl around in the dust. Come on, church. The devil operates in the realm of the dust. In other words, he's effective in the realm of naturalness. So if we are not living as the stars of heaven and we start to walk like the dust of the earth, natural people, he has got absolute authority over us in that area. Is that okay? It's one of the reasons why Jesus spoke to the disciples and he says, shake off the dust out of a village, you know, when you reject it, because that's fleshliness. That's the soulishness of people. It's one of the reasons why that a cultural thing was there in New Testament days. Once they'd walked a long road and they would come into the house to have a meal, a servant would wash their feet. And when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Peter misunderstood what he was saying. And he said, you know, Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, then you've got no part of me. He said, well, then wash my whole body. And he said, no, you're clean because of the word that I spoke. I just need to wash your feet. Isn't that right? So every now and then we need to just shake off the dust of earthliness and fleshliness in our walk with God. Amen. It's part of the reason why we come to church. It's just because we just like, you know, just shake off the dust from the week. And so we need that. We need the word. We need the worship. We need the prayer. We need the fellowship. We need these things. Come on, we need to be dust free. I shared it with you a while ago. I was talking about dust. And uh, Pastor Charles and Alinda said, it's amazing. A little while ago, I was driving in an orchard. And they had a big sign up there. And it said, drive slowly, dust kills. So listen to what James chapter 4 verse 4 says. Now this is James saying this. What did he say? Apostle James? Say, not Pastor John. Okay. Listen to what James says. James chapter 4 and verse 4. It's quite shocking. Look what he says. Should we read it? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I mean, we read it. I mean, it's no wonder Martin Luther called it the epistle of straw. Because when you read that, you don't read of much grace. This is not one of these ooey, nice, lacquer, lacquer, feel-good verses. You know, it's like, ooh, you know, he loves me. And he does love us. So what does it mean? Does it mean to say that we must cut ourselves off from people? No. Does it mean to say that we must be rude and distance ourselves from people in the world? No. What does it mean? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does it mean when James says friends of the world? In other words, if we read above and we read around that verse, we will see that it's when we do not extricate ourselves from the world and its principles and its ways and that our walk looks just like the walk of the world, God says that we're committing adultery in our relationship with Him. 
and it was something that God had a major issue with, with the children of Israel. Every time they turned and looked to another nation for help instead of God, God called them harlots and whores. I'm just explaining the kind of view that God has because God is in a committed marriage relationship with us. We, church, are called the bride of Christ. We are married to Christ. Paul said, I betrothed you to one, even to the Lord Jesus. Isn't that right? So we are not going to be. We are now the bride of Christ. Is that right? And so when we walk the way the world walks, and we walk in a friendship on an equal footing with the world, God says that that is like adultery. If we can't say amen, we can say no. Yeah. So Jesus put it beautifully in his prayer in John chapter 17, when he spoke about and when he was praying about the disciples, he said they're in the world in essence. He says, but they are not of the world. And we live in this world. We have to live in this world. We go to work. We have to go to work. We've got to mix with unbelievers. We have to because part of the reason is we've got to win them. But we don't come down onto the same level so that there's no difference between them and us. And I understand trying to associate, trying to get close. It doesn't mean to say we can't be friends. We must be friends and genuinely be friends. But they need to see a different walk. So listen to what Jesus says. Do not love the world, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Oh, does that mean I can't have nice things? No. It's just that you don't love it more than you love God. It doesn't become an idol. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's 1 John 2, 15 to 17. And it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We're not here temporarily in the sense of our walk with God. Is that okay? We are here permanently. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship, so it's on a fellowship level of equality, hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So he says in verses 17 to 18, 2 Corinthians 6, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. So now we've got those words, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18. It's very interesting. And I want it on the screen because I want you to look at those verses, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 to 18. He says, if you come out of the world, he says, and you touch not the unclean thing. You see, everything in the Bible that was unclean. Many of the things that were unclean would produce death. And God said that we have to separate ourselves from those things. And God says, if you touch not the unclean thing, if you separate yourself from it, listen to what he says, I will receive you. It's very interesting. Church, we're a church of revival. So listen, the more we want of God, the more he needs of us. 
Amen? If we want God to pour himself out on us in a lavish, abundant way, then he needs more of us. In other words, we've got to walk in a higher degree of sanctification. Is that okay, church? Are you all listening to me? He says, because when you're like this, he said, I will receive you. When you separate yourself, he says, I will receive you. Now, Pastor John, this doesn't sound like grace. No, it is. It's all grace. Because his grace will enable us to not touch the things that are unclean, but to separate ourselves. That's the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is not a sticky plaster on a cancer sore. The purpose of grace is to give you the ability to be healed of sin, amen, and to walk in righteousness. Is that okay? And so it's important for us, and, and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read a verse now. Okay, I'm going to read a verse. I'm going to pause, and I think you will all give me amens. Then I'm going to continue, and then it's going to go very quiet. You all ready? You all ready? So Paul says this in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 13. He says, let us walk with decency. What do you say, decent? As in the daylight, not in carousing. That's why you mustn't go to the carousal <laughs> up the road, yeah. Otherwise known as the carousel. <laughs> it's the carousal. From the day it opened, I used to say to me, oh, that place is the carousal. The carousel. Okay, not in carousing and drunkenness. Everybody said? Amen. I mean, we must be wild party animals, you know? Go to weddings and come bubble us to church on Sunday. Yo. <laughs> Listen to this. Not in sexual impurity and promiscuity. Everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. We're in the right church here, eh? Woo! Okay, you ready now? Okay, now I want to hear the amens. Not in quarreling. That's what dissension means. And not in jealousies. Thank you for the amen. Thank you for the amen. I hope you're not a quarreling kind of person. Because I just want you to notice the company that Paul puts that in. It's got family members. And jealousy. Oh, my word. Yeah. Here he goes again. Another new car. Oh, so every time I look at him, he, you know, he, gets more, he changes cars like he changes underpants, you know. <laughs> look at the company that God puts that in. Quarreling, dissensions. I really pray that you one of those, when you go into a place, you bring peace. Amen. Where there's dissensions, you just bring healing. That you've got a way, you know, like apples of gold in settings of silver, where when you go into a place, you don't jump in there and start boxing with them, you know, verbally. And all of this kind of thing. I really pray that you're one of those, that when you get into a place, you're the one who brings the peace. And where you're content, where you're not jealous of somebody else's blessings. 
Is everybody following me, church? We need to walk. Come on, let's say it. We need to walk in holiness. Come on, let's all say it. Let's all say it. Then nobody sitting near you will feel guilty. All right, say, we need to walk in holiness. Amen? There is such a power in godliness, in holiness. There's such a power. We underestimate the power of godliness. That's why Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 5, talking about these false teachers and all of those kind of things, and he says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There's no power in their walk with God. Come on, church. A compromiser does not have power in their walk. There's no power in their steps. And it's fantastic the way we do affirmations. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than an overcomer. And we need to do this, but we need to live up to the confessions. Is that all right? But listen, when you walk righteous and walk godly, you're walking in the power of God. Come on, church. Come on, church. The devil fears the person who absolutely walks righteously. Because he knows that person is powerful because that person is received by God, is full of God, and there is no fat plaque in his life. There is no foothold. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give him a place that he can grab onto. Come on, church. Not in our language, not in our conversations, not in our thoughts, not in our actions. Nowhere do we give the enemy a right of access where he can influence us and turn the bit in our mouths so that he can lead us astray. Come on, that's good holiness preaching. This is preaching like from the 50s, you know, in the purity movement, in the holiness movement. So we need to. We need to be walking right because there's a power. The devil fears a holy man or a holy woman of God. Listen, they might not even know how to speak in tongues, but the devil fears them. They might not know how to prophesy, but the devil fears them. They might not know how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, but the devil fears them because of the power of godliness. So our walk in holiness is a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Our walk in holiness is a reflection. And I'm not demeaning praying or fasting. I believe in it absolutely. I'm not demeaning anything else. You know, there's so many people pursue prophecy and prophecies more than they pursue righteousness. How? Is this okay? Yes. Come on, church. Is this okay? Good. I don't have another message, so this is it. So you're getting it. Based on your response, I'm tempted to change it. Okay. So our walk is a relationship, a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this. The one who says he resides in God ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. The more you walk like Jesus walked, the more it is an indication that you reside in God. Church, I don't have issues with alcohol necessarily. But it came about in earlier days where, and especially if you went into the ministry, you took a vow, an oath of abstinence with alcohol. 
simply and purely because they believe the church should walk distinctively different from the world. You know what I'm saying? So, look, I mean, if you have some wine, a bit of champagne or a beer or two, there's nothing wrong with that. Understand what I'm saying. Understand that what I'm saying is that there are times, and these things, these rules came about in churches when they were going through incredible times of moves of God, and God so persuaded them concerning their walk with Him that it should be absolutely holy. So they made vows of abstinence from anything that is addictive, and alcohol especially. And it's what I said, I said it a couple of weeks ago, the more we want of God, the more God requires of us. And He might not do it for us all, but for some one of us, He might say, right, you want more of me, then what I want you to do is you don't touch alcohol again. I'm just saying, it might be something else for different people. But there's a walk with God that we walk personally with God, and God might require us to leave certain things to walk with Him and to devote ourselves with Him. Not, God is not a killjoy. God is not a prude. God is not, you know, God's not out there to spoil our fun. But God is a God of holiness. Is that okay? How about sometime you really want something? You really want it. And you save and save for it and save for it. And now you can buy it. I was listening to... Um, 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 I preached just a while ago. What is his name? But anyway, I was listening to him, and he was in business as well as preaching. And he planted churches as well as did business. And he started to earn more and more money. And his weakness is watches, and he loves watches. And he was telling us about this particular watch that he wanted. And uh, he couldn't afford it, so he started to save and save and save and save and save. And one day, he had enough money, so he went to this jewelry shop. This was in Paris. And he wanted to buy the watch. And when he walked in, he looked at the watch. And what he used to do for a couple of years, every now and then he'd go into the jewelry shop and he'd say, and they'd say, can I help you? And he'd say, I want to see that watch there. And they'd bring it out. He'd look at it. And they'd say, put it on. And he'd put it on. And they said, can we ring it up for you? And he'd go, no, 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 because he couldn't afford it. No, no, put it back. And he did that for years, like a prophetic thing, like one of these days I'm going to have this watch. So anyway, the day comes, he saved up all the money, it's in the bank, it's in his credit card. He goes and he says, I want to look at the watch. And of course, the, you know, the person helping is like, yeah, he's going to put it on and stick it back in the cabinet again. So he said, yeah, sir. And he says, do you want me to ring it up for you? You know, like, he's expecting to answer no. And um, he says, yes, you can ring it up. And just then God says, no. So he says, stop, 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 stop. And God says to him, take all that money. There's a pastor in a church that is struggling and you give that money to them. happened three times. Saved up the money again. Waiting to buy it. Okay, Lord, can I have the watch? God says, no. That church there needs the money. Everybody following? And so we need to walk with God in righteousness, in holiness, and in obedience. Wow. It's a reflection of our walk with Him. Then, did you know that true humility... True humility is not going, all right, I'm going to humble myself before God. I'm going to go into church, and I'm just going to be just humble. 
and you put on this fake persona, you know, and we're, good morning. And we try all this. I mean, that's Christianese, you know. Another word for it is it's trash. <laughs> you know, because you walk out of church and you're still as arrogant as you were when you walked in. It's not being... We put on a soft little voice, you know, because we think that's what humble is, you know. Good morning. And then we're going to fake some service. Would you like some coffee? Because we're really trying to be humble now. You know, I'm just here. I've just come to serve. We do all... <laughs> we can play games as Christians, eh? Shoo! Uh, this is all those people watching online. It's not ACF. All right. And we can try... But do you know, do you know what? Humility... Humility is purely and simply just acknowledging who God is and doing it His way. It's a recognition of, I'm just a person. God is far bigger, far cleverer, far wiser, far more loving. And humility is just doing it God's way. Amen? It's knowing who you are in Christ. It's knowing who you are not when you're not in Christ. Amen? So humility. So Micah 6, 8 says, He's made it clear to you, mortal man, what is good and what the Lord is requiring from you, to act with justice. Amen? To be just with people. Don't try and cheat people. God hates false scales, the Bible says. And then to treasure the Lord's gracious love. Treasure His love. And then to walk humbly, humbly, to walk humbly in the company of God. Isn't it incredible that God says, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. God says, I'll be in you. You'll be in me. Where two or three are gathered, there I'll be in the midst of them. You know, all of these things, all of these things, God is walking with us. And to walk the way he wants us to walk with a consciousness of his presence, of his requirements, of his being, is to walk humbly before God. You know, it should be such a privilege and honor that we can walk with God. Isn't it amazing? All right. And so, listen to this. It attracts the favor of God. Somebody phoned me this week and, uh, in fact, yesterday and said, how good is God? I just want to share a testament with you. How good God is. They said, you know, the latest Apple Mac has come out and I really want one. I really, really want one. But there's like up to a six-month waiting list, back orders for this new Mac. I phoned the Apple iStores. I phoned everywhere. Everybody goes, no. I even went online to try and import it from overseas, wherever. All say four to six months waiting list. And I phoned eventually this place called the Mac Shack. This is free advertisement. Free advertisement. So I very eventually phoned the Mac Shack, and I said, do you have one of these? You know, it's the latest and all this kind of thing. The guy just laughed. He said, oh. He said, you should see the waiting list. He said, sir, you're down the line. That was on the Wednesday. On the Friday morning, the guy phones him and says, come pick up your Mac. So he shoots over there to get the Mac. And uh, he said, no, somebody ordered it with certain specifics. Higher RAM, higher this, better this, better this, better this. And at the last second, he pulled out and he said, no, I remembered you. And he said, it's everything that I would have wanted if they were more available. I would have upped the RAM. I would have done this and done that to it. So it's, got, it's everything that I wanted. He says, in two days, how good 
is God. I don't know if you've noticed at church, the closer you walk with God, things just seem to go better. Is that right? I mean, it just goes better. This Christian life is exciting. Even when it doesn't look like it's going better, it's going better. Believe me. Is that right? I mean, I've done this long enough to know that eventually it, it is better. Is that right? So my niece sent me a beautiful WhatsApp, and I noticed some time ago she started tithing into ACF, and she watches us online. So Deirdre, if you're watching, um, this is a brag about what Jesus is doing for you. She sent me a message, and I replied to it last night. She said, Uncle John, your sermons, your teachings, she said, are just absolutely brilliant, and my whole life has changed. I'm starting to realize who I am in Christ, and my life is changing. And she said, and I've started tithing into your church. And she said, this month was the first month ever in my life. I got to the end of the month. I had paid all my bills, and I had money left over. I mean, come on, church. I mean, it may seem like small things, but these big things as well if we walk with God. Amen? All right. So the next point I want to cover is to walk in love, to walk in holiness, and to walk in righteousness, and to walk in love is absolutely synonymous. Is that okay? If you go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you read, and it says love is patient, love is kind, Love is long-suffering. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That is an exact description of holiness. Full, matured love is equal exactly to holiness. And so the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in love, is to walk in the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it's joy and peace. I like what one of the great theologians said. It's love. And the rest are expressions of love. So he says, for example, joy is love with dancing shoes on. Peace is with its fallies on, you know, with slippers on, because it's at rest in love. And so he goes all the way through. So to walk in love. What does it mean to walk in love? Come on, I don't know. Maybe you haven't met them. But um, do you know that Christians ought to be the nicest people on the face of the planet? If we're walking in the fruit of the Spirit... We should be the nicest people. People should want to hang around us. Come on, you grumpy matat, smile. (laughs) It means the fruit of the Spirit means that we should be the nicest people, the nicest. People should want to be with us because we're so nice. Isn't it amazing? But, you know, a lot of what I hear is, you know, those Christians, and look, I understand that Christians are at a different level of growth and all this kind of thing, but I'm speaking about the ideal. Is that all right? But we should be the nicest people, the most kind, the most patient, the nicest people. got a long WhatsApp from Tanya last night, and Tanya is entering these particular races, and she wanted to go and try out the AstroTurf course. And uh, so she drove over because it's very different, obviously, to running on grass or tar or anything like that. And so she wanted to just go and, and just jog on it a bit and feel what it feels like, just so that, you know, she can adjust. And when she got there, the lady in charge told her, no, 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 no one's allowed to run on it. The, you know, Kruleni is very strict. You're not allowed to run. You're not allowed to run on the AstroTurf for practice because it's only for race day. She goes, oh, gee, Okay. She said, but I bet, you know, like, thank you very much. And eventually the lady says, um, because she said, I just wanted to run one hour. So eventually the lady says, okay, you got one hour, go and run. 
And she's like, oh, really? So she's still going to run. When she's finished, she wanted to take photos of the AstroTurf. Now, so the lady in charge says, no, you go and stand on the track, and I'll take the photo for you. She says, in fact, why don't you do this? Why don't you run, and then I'll video you running? You know why that happened? Because she was nice. I remember one, one <laughs> when I listened to that that time, I thought, yeah, that's it, you know. I've changed my mind since then. But um, there was a, a well-known preacher. He used to preach at the big conferences here in, in South Africa. And then one day he was like, he got to this business place, and the guy was rude to him. And he basically just said, I have the right to fire you for that attitude. And he said, and he's telling this with great pride, you know, because we're talking about our authority as believers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, and it was only a few months later, I go driving down the road, and he has this man hitchhiking. So because I'm such a good Christian, you know, I'll stop to pick him up and give him a ride. And it's this man gets in the car, and he had lost his job. And this is the man that I said, I have the authority to find. And I mean, he's telling this like, this is a really good story to be proud of. You know, I, I remember at the time going, I've got authority. <laughs> but gradually over time, I thought, that was very unkind. That was cruel. You don't know what that guy's going through, what kind of day he's had. Maybe he got divorced in that week. Maybe he lost a family member. Who knows? You know what they went through. And now, come on, it's better to be nice. Amen? Listen, when the revival comes and it sweeps through, by the end of it, we should be a whole lot nicer and sweeter than before the revival came. Is that okay? I mean, we can laugh and cry and shake under the power of God. We can lay on the floor. We can pick you up and stick you in the car because you're so drunk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But by next Sunday, when you come back, you should be whole degrees nicer. Amen? You'll be able to say, you know, come in and I just see couples and they're more in love and just go like, you know, he was drunk on the floor last week and he made such an idiot of himself and the power of God hit him. But, oh, I've just fallen in love with him this week because. (laughs) Can someone say amen? So we walk in love. Is that right? So Paul tells us this. He says, therefore. Be imitators of God, dear children. Imitate God. Imitate God. Look at God and see what He does, and then do the same. Imitate God. Well, I don't know what God does. Well, then look at Jesus, because Jesus said, I only say and do what I see my Father doing, and I only say what He says. Is that right? So look at Him. Forgiving the woman caught in adultery. Look at him healing the sick. Look at him when he came to lepers and you were not allowed to touch them. The Bible indicates in one place, the word there is that he didn't just touch the leper, he embraced the leper. Amen? And so we need to be imitators of God. Therefore, dearly beloved children, imitate God. I've got a photo somewhere, I think it's in the office. And uh, we had a, a fun day, where well, it was more fun for others than it was for me, where we were raising funds for something or the other, and people could buy, you know, milk tarts and all kinds of tarts, and then they were allowed a free shot at me, at my face. And I was in like in a stock that I made to make it more fun, so I couldn't duck with my hands. 
So they paid a certain amount and they could take this pie and bah, in my face. Unbeknown to me, and typically, like ACF, a lot of them didn't want to waste a nice pie. I think they ate it. Then what they did is would put ultramile in a little pie dish and then they covered it with shaving foam to make it look like cream. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, Pastor John, and they pay their money. You know, some were going and buying more ingredients because everybody was getting a free shot at the pastor, you know. And anyway, after this, now I'm covered, I mean, the, the, the wall of the, was, well, the tistel is the youth wall at the back. Um, there's the picture over there, and it's just all yellow and like white stuff on the wall. And I'm standing there, and it's all running down my shirt and all this kind of thing. But I was kind of standing there, you know, we'd all had a good time. I'd washed the shaving cream out of my eyes. And um, I was standing with my arms folded like this, and my foot up against the wall, just leaning against the wall, and was chatting to someone. And I turned, and I looked, and there was my son, Ryan. He was a couple of years old, I don't know, probably four or five years old. And um, I saw him, and he was standing next to me, and he was looking up at me, and he was, he was folding his arms like me, and then he was trying to stand like me and put his foot against the wall and lean back like his dad. And that's how we need to be with our Heavenly Father. Be imitators of God. And he says, and live a life of love. The New King James says, and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us. Yeah. You know that to walk in love, is, um, it's easier said than done, but it's fiercely practical. Yeah. Love is not an intellectual thing. Love is very much a doing thing. What do you say doing? It means you do things. Is that okay? It's not woozy feelings. It's not that you get gushy, you know, squeezed heart, squeezy feelings. It includes that. But love is a doing thing. It's a verb. Is that right? It's an action word. So Paul says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing with one another in love. How do you walk in love? It means you walk with somebody who's a right royal pain. And you keep loving them. I know you don't know anybody like that. Maybe you're the one that's like, I don't know. You know, ask the person sitting next to you. I don't know, but walking with somebody in love. We can't be impatient and unkind and cruel. And be ye kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And finally, Paul says in Hebrews 10.25, And let us consider how we may spur one another on also towards love and good deeds. Come on, church. It's getting alongside somebody and walking a walk with them, walking in love. Now, the thing that I wanted to come on to, and, but we'll do it next week, is if we walk in holiness, if we walk in love, we walk in absolute authority and power. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing that when Jesus spoke to the disciples on the night he was betrayed, and um, he was in the garden, and eventually he said, come, let us go. The prince of this world is coming, but he 
has no hold on me. You know, it's amazing that I found that very often in times of power and anointing, um, it's incredible to me. Listen, the devil understands that principle. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to pray for people or in the middle of just a move of God in church and, and the Spirit of God is doing something. And I go to pray for someone and the enemy right at that moment just reminds me of the cat I kicked this week. Yep. I don't do that, but you understand what I'm saying. I didn't kick any cats, you know. But in other words, what he's reminding you of is an area that he has a hold on you. And not that I didn't apologize, but what he's trying to do is to disrupt my conscience. So that when I go, I lose confidence and faith to minister to someone. Amen. And Jesus was able to say, he's coming, but let's go. He's got no hold on me. There's not an area that I blew it in. So he's got no right. He's got no authority. He's got no access. And Jesus was able to pursue the destiny of his life with an absolute free conscience. Can somebody say amen? amen? And it's important for us to live right because at that moment, at that crisis time, you don't want to have to be dealing with your conscience, and sometimes it's good, you know, to do that. You know, and many times I've just said, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. And then afterwards, and people are touched and blessed, and afterwards I revisit it, and I go, Lord, I just need my conscience cleared from that. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. I want my conscience cleared. I want a consciousness that is the righteousness of God. Is that okay? And we can try and push things away. But we sear our consciences. We need to deal with them. Amen? And the next time the enemy comes back to remind us, we can say, listen, behind me, Satan, because that has been dealt with. And we can continue with boldness. Amen? The righteous, the Bible says. The Bible says the wicked flee, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? And so we need to have boldness in our walk. And it comes from walking in holiness and walking in love. Amen? So this church must be a love church. This church must be a church where we love one another, where we accept people. This church must be a nice church. Is that okay? This church needs to be a friendly church. Is that right? I want anybody who walks in here, they need to have their hands shaken, they need to be hugged at least six times before they get to their seat. Is that okay? I want people to feel like, yes, I'm known here, you know, Somebody knows about me. Somebody likes me. You know, I'm accepted here. Come on, church. We need to walk in love. If we can't do it here with people who come in here, how are we going to do it out there? Is it okay? Don't come in and be all serious and unfriendly and crumpy my tat. Get up, put a smile on your dial and be friendly and be nice, sincerely nice. Amen. And we'll see what God will do. Is that okay? So, amen. So, we're going to walk in holiness, and yes. we're going to walk in love. Yes. And then, lastly, we will walk boldly, but we'll deal with that next week. Amen. Let's bow our heads. So, Father, I just want to thank you for your word. Your word, your word is truth. Your word is righteous. And, Father, I want to thank you that there are times when you're preparing for more fruitfulness, where you have to prune the vine so that it can bear more fruit.
and then you carry on pruning so that it can produce much fruit. This is to your glory if we produce much fruit. Lord, be glorified in our lives. And Lord, I'm not saying, and saints, I'm not saying that we are not walking right and not walking holy. But we need to just continue walking in a consciousness of holiness before God. You know, Paul is so fiercely practical that in Ephesians 4, he, he even goes as far as to say, let no coarse joking come out of your mouths. No foolish talk. You know, I'm not saying that we've got to be prudes, but he says so that it might benefit those who are listening. So there needs to be a benefit. Our words, full of grace and seasoned with salt, that when we speak, people are touched. Amen. So Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that as we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he will shed on our way. And Father, I want to thank you for this church. Thank you for these saints speak blessing over them in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I thank you for it Lord Amen so Psalm 103 says this bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name who forgives all sins. Everybody say all. all. So if there's any area when I was preaching where there was a okay that might be me. <laughs> and just thank the Lord for his forgiveness. Amen. But he doesn't only forgive all our sins. He heals all 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 our diseases. And Lord we want to thank you. Healing is in the atonement. By your stripes we were healed. Lord, you are the Lord our God who heals us. Jesus Christ who bore stri stripes from a whip, that by his stripes we might be healed. And Father, we want to thank you that faith takes it as past tense. In Jesus' name, we were and are healed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Love you, saints. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord be with you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord grant you all that you need. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless you.